0: As the COVID-19 situation in China has begun to stabilize, some people are considering heading back to China. So what does that look like? We wanted to get a more human perspective of what the process can be like, so we gave Chris Miller a call. He's a business advisory services manager working in our Shanghai office, and he recently flew back to China from the US. His personal experience yields some interesting color to the story of what returning to China is like. Obviously, regulations are changing rapidly, and what was true for him then might not necessarily be true for travelers today, but his story still provides the outlines of what one might expect. We reached him on his last day in quarantine. From the U.S.-China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Review Podcast. So, recently you were back in the United States, so why were you there, how long were you there, and then when you came back to China, what was that experience like?
1: So um, I first made the decision to leave from Shanghai to the United States on February 28th. And I remember the date well, uh, because, you know, right after we had purchased plane tickets, um, my girlfriend and I, who were traveling back together, uh, the announcement came out from the Trump administration that uh, the travel ban was going to go into effect for uh, non-U.S. citizens and Uh, even U.S. citizens would be potentially subject to quarantines upon heading back. And so, you know, at the time, um, we thought, okay, might be a good idea to consider heading back because there's really no telling, you know, how bad the situation in China was going to get at the time. Um, And, you know, thought, hey, this is a great opportunity to head back, see friends and family, and, uh, you know, essentially, you know, hopefully live a more, you know, normal life. There was, you know, serious social stigma about, you know, heading outside. And so, you know, we were sitting around all day, quite bored. And so decided to head back um, and then stayed in the U.S. for, I think, five, maybe even six weeks. Uh, and then, you know, again, made the decision, okay, you know, things seem to start, uh, seem to be getting a little bit more serious in the United States. And, you know, thought, hey, you know, right now, the situation is becoming more under control in China. You know, at the time, it still wasn't really exactly clear, but it seemed like uh, at least the uh, rate of infection was, uh, was down. And so thought, you know, might be starting work soon and you never really know what can happen. You know, I thought, mm-hmm. if, you know, if the United States can put in travel, you know, bans or um, other travel restrictions, you know, China could certainly do that, too. Yeah. And so, you know, made the decision, um, you know, about five or six weeks after arriving in the States to, uh, to head back.
0: So then, when you left the U.S., what was what was the experience like when you when you showed up in China? What was what was the sort of quarantine and, and protocol when you arrived?
1: Well, well, first of all, um, you know, even buying tickets to head back uh, was you know kind of a difficult process. Um, I was you know looking on you know various U.S. travel sites and uh, you know couldn't find hardly any trips that we could get back in you know under fifty hours but I did see on Google flights that there was, you know, some, you know, flights available supposedly where we could do three legs. And I thought, wow, you know, that's great, but how come I can't find that anywhere? And it turns out that I was able to, you know, find those on a uh, Chinese website, uh, trip.com. Right. So what they call Xiecheng in, um, in Chinese and purchase those on that app. Um, and really nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. Uh, there was no sort of, you know, warning. There was no sort of, um, you know, disclaimer or anything like that. Um, so we had a three-leg flight, and the last leg of our flight passed through um, Haneda in uh, Tokyo, mm-hmm. so Haneda, Air- Haneda Airport. And-, and I'd heard rumors that, uh, you know, the Chinese government was considering, you know, uh, quarantining passengers from Japan and, um, unfortunately we heard that, uh, right after the second leg of our flight. So basically <laughs> not
0: exactly when you would have wanted to hear it.
1: Exactly. Uh, basically <laughs> it was, it was too late. Um, you know, and of course, you know, I was thinking at the time, well, could still cancel the flight, but, uh, you know, what if I do, maybe things get worse. Maybe I won't be able to return at all for several months, if not longer. So decided to go through with it. So we arrived at the airport. Uh, in shanghai at uh, 8 p.m almost on the dot and we didn't actually leave the plane for five hours so at 1 a.m actually i believe it may have even been 1 30 a.m we're finally able to um, exit the plane which had been sitting on the tarmac for the past five five and a half hours
0: yeah so then when you got into the actual terminal then what was what was it like
1: well we kind of had an idea before getting off the plane that there was going to be medical personnel waiting for us. Um, didn't really know what that was going to look like, but you know, while we were sitting in the tarmac, flight attendants came over the, um, you know, came over to a, a, announce, you know, several times that we would be waiting for a little bit longer because medical personnel um, were still examining passengers from previous flights, and there happened to be three flights ahead of us, and so. At this time, I kind of understood, okay, you know, this is pretty serious, um, you know, medical personnel are, you know, examining everybody. I know I'm going to be at the airport for a long time, but, Mm -hmm. you know, don't really know all what it's going to entail. Yeah. As soon as we get off the plane, um, you know, we walk, uh, you know, through the normal, you know, passageway and then, uh, we're stopped at, um, you know, a kind of like a, a middle area, um, prior to, um, you know, the immigration uh, section of the terminal, right? So we, we stopped there. We're in a line. Um, and then there's several folks, probably about, let's say, five, um, five medical staff, and they were donned in, you know, full, um, you know, protective gear, face shields, masks, um, you know, full body suits. Yeah. And uh, the first thing that they had us do was scan a QR code and fill out, Um, you know, a lot of personal information. So, you know, they ask things like your name, your um, passport number, um, and then, you know, also ask for, you know, things like your address, your visa number, uh, uh, where you're traveling from, your flight number, your seat number, uh, you know, pretty much everything that they would need to know um, about you on a, you know, to identify, you know, specific individuals. And then they also asked a series of questions you know, related to, um, you know, physical health, right? Um, Any sort of, uh, you know, symptoms, fever, um, sneezing, coughing, uh, shortness of breath, things like that. Mm. And once you did that, immediately, you're standing in this line while you're doing this, you go and you sit down at a desk uh, where two medical personnel were sitting across from you um, interviewing, and they filled out uh, what was essentially a paper version of the same exact questions that were asked on the app. Um, And this time, you know, you needed to sign and declare that all of your statements were uh, truthful to the best of your knowledge. And so that process lasted about 10 minutes. Uh, Following that, we were led directly to uh, the normal, you know, immigration channel. Right. And uh, I walked up to uh, the immigration officer. um, And this time he took my passport and spent, you know, a lot longer with me than, uh, you know, immigration officials ever spent with me before. Didn't take my fingerprint um, and didn't uh, didn't actually use facial recognition technology, uh, which you know for you know your listeners who are you know unaware is has been standard procedure in um, you know Chinese airports for a long time now. And then after that, I was sported yeah. to another station, and I did not know this at the time, um, but later I learned this is exactly where um, everybody's fate was decided. Um, and mind you, we had no idea at this point that we were getting quarantined. I suspected that we probably were. And, you know, we asked, um, you know, I asked the medical staff who were interviewing us and they said, we're just medical staff. We don't know. Uh, I asked the immigration officer and he said, you know, I'm just an immigration officer. I don't know. And the next station.
0: <laughs> so like a pattern here.
1: Exactly. Um, and the next station, uh, <laughs> I asked the same thing and they said, we don't know. Um, I later learned though, however, that they knew, uh, for sure that we were getting quarantined because at this station, they passed out, uh, three different stickers to be, um, attached to your passport, yellow, um, which is what I received, um, green, which is fantastic, but nobody that day I saw ended up getting a green sticker and then red, um, and red, uh, you know, uh, I later learned Really meant that you were going to be sent to a quarantine center, which, um, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, is essentially um, a stay in a hotel. Um, mm-hmm. So I received a yellow sticker, and immediately at that point, um, another you know uh, staff member approached me, took control of my passport, and two other folks uh, who was you know who were traveling uh, on the same flight as me took control of our passports and walked us over to. Baggage claim. Now, since we'd been sitting on the tarmac for five or five and a half hours, you know, our bags were, um, you know, had been sitting there for a while. And, um, you know, as far as I could tell, you, nobody had opened them, nobody had checked them or anything. Um, you know, and they weren't even on the carousel, they'd already been taken off and everything. And so we all grabbed our bags, and this uh, staff member took us up the escalator to, you know, the section of the airport where you would normally, um, you know, leave. Uh, to either transfer to a different terminal or uh, to grab a taxi, you know, or take the subway, however you wish to get home. Um, however, this was all blocked off. And instead of, you know, a normal, you know, uh, you know, terminal filled with, with people, uh, we found uh, there to be several desks, um, probably, well, I don't know, um, a dozen desks or so, each one of them representing a different district in Shanghai. We were sitting there waiting to, you know, discuss the details of your quarantine, and they they gave us three options at this desk. Uh, you know, we could get a taxi home, uh, we could take a private car, or we could take a bus. They didn't tell us this, of course, but I, you know, I assumed that, you know, they were going to call um, our neighborhood committee and they were going to call, um, you know, our our baoan, which um, if you know people are not familiar with, and in many cities in China, if not, you know, all certainly any major city um, and and all, almost all small towns, you know you have um, you know security guards who are you know employed by you know district governments, um, you know local governments uh, to you know um, basically you know stand watch you know they're not armed or anything like that. they don't have any sort of training or anything like that but stand watch at neighborhood entrance and exits and um, Balan, the security guard was, uh, expecting us and the neighborhood committee, um, had, had called him in around the same time too. He called them back and, uh, you know, I just think, gosh, this must be really tough, um, on folks, you know, working for the neighborhood committee who've pretty much got to be on call at all hours. Um, and so he said, you know, um, go directly to your home, uh, which was, you know, about, uh, a hundred yards away from the, uh, you know, neighborhood entrance. And, um, you know, stay there. uh, Don't leave. And you will have, you know, um, some medical staff in the neighborhood committee uh, visit you tomorrow morning. Um, And so we went home and went to sleep. And at about noon the next day, uh, the uh, neighborhood committee, um, two medical workers and a police officer um, arrived at my house and knocked on the door.
0: And so were they were just checking up on, on to make sure you guys were staying in quarantine essentially, or, or what were they there for?
1: Well, um, it's kind of twofold. One was of course, making sure that we were there. Um, and then, you know, the, I think really, uh, you know, the primary reason was to make sure that, you know, we were uh, safe and uh, we were, you know, not, um, you know, any sort of you know public danger or anything. They, uh, you know, asked us the same questions again, um, you know, from that, from that app, and they kind of, you know, right then and there, explain the rules to us. Um, you know, they said, okay, you are quarantined, uh, and you know, you cannot leave this. You know, you cannot leave the house at all. Um, all of your trash, you can, you know, leave it right outside of your door, and somebody will come by and take it. Um, if you order, you know, um, delivery, food delivery, or grocery delivery, or if you order, you know, online goods, um, you know, for example, off of Alibaba mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, you know, they said the uh, delivery folks will, you know, leave it on. Um, they'll leave it with the security guard. They'll leave it with the balan, and and the balan will send it to your home. And so, um, you know, we knew then. Okay, well, we're going to have two two weeks. Um, they instructed us to send them a video every day um, to confirm that we were in the house. Um, and we have gotten a couple checkups. Um, a couple times they've called and notified beforehand, but but generally without notice.
0: So, then what is life like in quarantine? Like, so you can't obviously leave. So, what kind of services are available? Did you order most of your food online or have like family members do shopping for you? So, like, how, how did you continue your existence in, the, in those two weeks?
1: Well, a, a little bit of everything, actually. And, uh, you know, one thing I was actually surprised to see was, you know, the, the first day the neighborhood committee um, and the medical staff arrived, they actually brought, you know, kind of a, a goodie basket. Um, you know, of, of edibles and, and, and other items. So they brought soap, um, some uh, sanitizer, um, sanitizing liquid. They also brought some masks. Um, you know, of course, now not you're in 95 masks, nothing like, you know. Um,
0: Just regular surgical exactly masks. Exactly,
1: regular surgical masks. Um, and then they brought a couple thermometers. And I, I really ought to thank them a little bit better because um, they clearly – You know, had planned in advance uh, for for Western tastes because they brought some crackers, Oreos, milk, yogurt, (laughs) um, and uh, muesli. And so, you know, clearly, I guess they had you know a
0: Western. They thought you were German
1: or something. Yeah, perhaps. Um, In any In any case, uh, you know they they were clearly thoughtful. you know and so yeah you know uh it was a lot of oreos too and uh we pretty much ate them all
0: so <laughs> um so so, so the, the long and short of this is you survived quarantine primarily on your caloric sustenance from oreos. It, exactly exactly
1: <laughs> um but we we were able to get um food delivered to us um from from friends and family uh which was nice so we ate a lot of hot pot i think we ate hot pot four or five times in the house um which was nice you know, we were able to get,
0: it doesn't sound bad.
1: Yeah. We were able to get fresh fruit and vegetables from, um, you know, from family. I think I've probably had, you know, um, a pretty normal experience, but certainly also, you know, on the stricter side, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, enforcing the policy. Um, but you know, today's the last day and, you know, all in all, I don't think it was so bad. Um, you know, and I'm grateful, um, you know, that we'd made the decision to, to come back uh, when we did because, you know, it would have been a lot of uncertainty um, if we hadn't, right? If we had stayed and, you know, right now, uh, anybody, you know, arriving into the Beijing airport and I think pretty soon the Shanghai airport too, um, you know, from international flights, is gonna be sent to a, a quarantine center. I think that's been the case in Beijing for several days now. Um, and so certainly that wouldn't be a great experience, you know, all in all, I think we were relatively lucky.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's good to hear that the light at the end of the tunnel is there for you. I'm sure you're excited to get outside. Um, but I know you had also mentioned to me earlier that you had spoken with some folks at the consulate. Um, wh- what did you talk with them about and, and what kind of information were you getting from them about, about quarantine and, and the COVID response? Um, yeah, that's right. Um,
1: yeah, I did speak to an individual at the, at the consulate and,
0: uh, uh, you know, basically
1: I wanted to share my experience with, um, you know, with the consulate and make sure that they would be able to pass on good information to, you know, other people who might be considering, uh, you know, traveling back. And, you know, that turned into a a good conversation. And, um, you know, after I was able to share my own experience, um, my contact, you know, got back to me and was able to, uh, you know, um, share some general experiences um, from some other folks as well. You know, for the most part, I think um, most everybody kind of had a really similar experience to me, at least that I heard of, Um, you know, I think one of the bigger differences now is, you know, folks kind of understand that they're going to get quarantined. And then, uh, you know, I think the process has been a little bit more streamlined. Of course, it still takes a while to get through the airport. But, you know, uh, I get the feeling that they were a little bit understaffed when we when we first arrived. And I think that that, um, you know, is is getting a little bit better. Um, You know, I can't really say for sure since I haven't experienced it myself, but um, from what I can tell, you know, my experience was extremely typical, um, but the, the person I spoke with at the consulate did note that, you know, every district has been treating it slightly differently.
0: Well, I mean, I guess it's good to hear that we can get a little bit of a, a personal color because I'm sure a lot of people here in the United States are, we're, we're headed towards a lot more, you know, people remote working, staying at home. Um, I know quarantine measures have been discussed in certain places and obviously it's an evolving situation, but it's good just to get a little bit of personal color to it. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested to hear so. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Yeah, happy to share my story with you, Ian.
0: Alrighty, Chris. Thanks very much. We will talk to you later. Thank you, Ian. The China Business Review Podcast is a production of the U.S. China Business Council and is the podcast companion to our digital magazine of the same name, You can read more articles about the business and economic aspects of the U.S.-China relationship on our website, chinabusinessreview.com. If you like the show, please do leave a rating and review and go ahead and forward it to a colleague. If you enjoy it, they probably will as well. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon.